Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Today's classic episode explores a mystery that remains unsolved in the modern day. Some people on the beach in Somerton found a very well-dressed person holding a very cryptic page from, uh, I believe, the Rubiat, and no one knew who he was. Yes, and we're talking about just south of Adelaide, Australia. That's where this occurred very, very strange situation with this unsolved mystery. Really, it's actually unsolved. Let's dig in right now. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Awake. For morning in the bowl of night has flung the stone that puts the stars to flight. And lo, the hunter of the east has caught the sultan's turret in a noose of light. Dreaming when dawn's left hand was in the sky, I heard a voice within the tavern cry. Awake, my little ones, and fill the cup before life's liquor in its cup be dry. And as the cock crew, those who stood before the tavern shouted, Open then the door, you know how little while we have to stay, and once departed, may return no more. Wow, that was, that was different. What, did, what, what was that from, Ben? 
Uh, yeah, we did not write that. That is from something called the Rubiat, which will, uh, specifically the English translation by a guy named Fitzgerald, which will become important, we promise, as this episode proceeds. But first, Matt, who the heck are we? What are we doing here? <laughs> oh, well, my name is Matt. <laughs> oh, I spoilers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am Ben. Uh, we're here, of course, as always, with the uh, the third of our musketeers, the the numero trace of our three amigos, our super producer Noel the Aussie Brown. Hey, Noel. <laughs> I was wondering, you know, I I think I don't think Aussie is a, is a derogatory term at all, uh, but I was wondering if we should have gone with Fosters. Because the the Foster's beer commercials were quite popular here in the U.S. for a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember those. I have fond memories of those. I think I remember them around the time that I started to be able to drink. Uh-huh. And then I remember trying one and thinking, okay, that's a beer. <laughs> you weren't bowled over? You weren't impressed? I, I don't know. Maybe that's just Maybe that's just me. Well, maybe it's like Guinness, too, you know, the... Stories that the Guinness here in the U.S. is garbage in comparison to the Guinness brewed in, in the Ireland and the, uh, those areas. Well, it's also it's a, a from. yeah, yeah. It's also a, a sense memory. Taste can be a sense memory, uh, oh, almost sure. as strongly as oil factory or smells. But you know, I think I think that's such an interesting point. Uh, there's a study that I cannot remember, and it has nothing to do with this episode really. But there's a study that uh, you should dig up and toss at your wine snob friends, Okay, which is that when people are uh, influenced by the environment or the context of a taste, uh, then it affects their perception of the taste, not not just psychologically, their brain reacts differently. Yes, also by a person that they perceive as someone of authority. Sure, yeah. So a sommelier telling you that yes. this terrible wine is mm-hmm. just amazing. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, here's the way the experiment worked. Uh, the the people conducting the experiment took several different kinds of wine, variety of ages, variety of cost, variety of perceived quality, I mm-hmm. guess. And the uh, they put they would uh, have somebody come out. And if I'm if I'm remembering this correctly, they would pour uh, some of the two buck chuck or whatever, which is not a uh, not a bad wine. I'm not a wine guy, but they would pour some sort of box wine into this decanter and like carefully, carefully poured in mm-hmm. front of the person while someone is describing authoritatively and with lustrous language the the different um, the qualifications, flavors, the, yeah, the the bouquet, the pedigree, <laughs> and then they would have another very very um, v- very fine wine, cons- or at least considered as such, uh, and they would serve that and they would go, okay, well this is just some stuff we got off the shelf. Uh, it's <laughs> which is true, like a moderately priced wine. Um, <laughs> you know, just what? What do you think? How could you describe the flavors? And then they would switch it around, and people consistently found these amazing flavors in wine that they were told was very important. Uh, I advance to you that in many cases, ladies and gentlemen, the old story is true. The emperor has no clothes. And everybody just wants to be cool and be an expert of some sort, including us at, at sometimes. Well, you know, there's probably I'm such a I'm, I'm such a philistine. I probably wouldn't understand or appreciate wine at all. No worries, man. Uh, many of us, well, you and I, I guess, don't. So 
I no, I, I'll try. I'll try wine, but and, and also I do just in in the defense of all the people who might be training to be small yays. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a big part of our audience base, but in their defense, there clearly is an ability to differentiate, and and there clearly oh, yeah. different tastes. the The point of that experiment is just how easily people are swayed, right? True. Very how true. much people love solving things. Huh. Solving everything from, is this wine of X quality? Or maybe perhaps, oh, hey, why why is that guy dead? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are doing this this week. Uh, and for maybe a couple more episodes, we're going to be looking at some of the most prominent unsolved cases, unsolved crimes in history. So, Matt, can you set the scene for this one? Oh, sure. Well, first of all, we're not going to cover some of the ones you may be thinking of, uh, Jack the Ripper. Right, Zodiac Killer. Yeah, we're, we're not going to jump into that stuff yet. We might one day. That's Those are separate things that we could cover. I know history class has covered Jack the Ripper pretty well. Yeah, I think stuff you should know definitely did. Mm-hmm. We, we've got those you can check out in the meantime, but what we want to do is, um, at least especially with serial killers, we have some other things up our sleeve. So <laughs> although we won't cover many serial killer cases in this episode, uh, just act surprised later. Yeah. Spoiler yeah. alert, right? <laughs> uh, so what, what will we do? So today we're going to look at one of the crimes that we looked at in the video that came out this mm-hmm, week. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we might, I don't know, we might do a couple more in the future. Yeah. Depending on, you know, as long as, are you on board, Noel? May I speak? Oh, <laughs> whoa. No, no, we're just going to keep going. <laughs> What's the question in the studio? Yeah, I'm on board. You know I'm on board with whatever you guys got. All right. All right. <laughs> So uh, we're also we're just going to take a quick look at one particular case in this example, and then we're going to look at maybe some developments that have mm-hmm. occurred with the case because the first one that we're going to talk about happened a while ago. Yes, yes, and uh, at the end of this episode as well, we have a uh, we have an interesting announcement, just some some background stuff, but uh, stay tuned for that. So yes, this happened a while ago. Specifically, on the 1st of December, 1948, people find a body on Australia's Somerton Beach. This is in Adelaide, Australia. I know that my American accent is atrocious. It's okay. It's going to happen several times to both of us in this episode. And perhaps the only, you know, one of my Australian friends said that they found the American accent grating. Uh, but that's just one person. Not not the best sample size. Uh, Would it be Adelaide? I don't know. Adelaide? I don't know. One time on Car Stuff, a very helpful listener wrote in and said, okay, guys, you're killing me. Here is <laughs> here is a legend, or, you know, an appendix yeah. of how to pronounce the following city names. Oh, wow. But anyhow, Somerton Beach. He's there. He's dead. Mm-hmm. Or I should say it's dead because it's just a body. It's, oh, oh, wow. It's yeah. an object in space now, right? Especially when a forensic uh, person comes up, they just, okay, this is a body. Mm-hmm. You identify that it's male or female, but mm-hmm. it's just a body. No visible signs of death, no signs of a struggle, and no identification. Now, at first, this is just a, a case of, oh, wow, okay, this this body is here. This man is clearly dead. Um, did he perhaps commit suicide? Was, you know, was this a homicide of some sort? Mm-hmm. They're not finding any, uh, serious problems or let's say wounds that would 
that would make an investigator say, okay, that's obviously the, the thing that happened. Sure. And then as they're kind of rummaging through his clothing and his possessions, uh, they find a couple of strange things. They, they find a second class, a second class rail ticket, uh, to another city, to Henley Beach, I believe. Okay. Uh, a ticket that had already been used. Mm-hmm. That, uh, let's see, a, a comb. They found a comb because, you know, sometimes you got to make your hair right. Some juicy fruit chewing gum, a uh, cigarette pack, and let's see, oh, and some matches because you got to light the cigarettes. Oh, that makes sense. Well, that checks out, but that's not all they found, is it? No. They found a small piece of paper that was hidden in a pocket in his pants, and not like a, just a pocket that you would usually find. This one was a little more – it was a secret pocket. Yeah, at the very least, it took them a little bit longer to find it. Yes, exactly. They didn't just rummage through and grab it. Well, on this piece of paper, it had two words. Tommen, Tamum, should. Yes, and Tamam Shud, or Taman Shud, uh, you'll hear it spelled T-A-M-A-M, T-A-M-A-N, as in North. This is, uh, this is the final phrase of an English translation by a guy named Edward Fitzgerald. Uh, he, the thing he translated, the actual rubiat of Omar Khayyam is a bunch of poems. It's an anthology of poems. And they're about how you should live life to the fullest, uh, essentially. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that yeah. was what you read at the beginning of this episode. Right. That was the very opening of it. Uh, the, the phrase itself means something like the ending, finished. Yeah, it over. is finished. Right. Which is why it goes at the end of, at the end of the thing. So the police. Not the, not the band, if you recall, they're not around yet, but the, uh, the actual law enforcement of Australia at the time is baffled. This kind of thing is finding weird, uh, finding weird, well-dressed corpses in Glenelg, South Australia is not what they usually, uh, what they usually count on. Yeah, it, it seems cryptic to say the least. Uh, mm-hmm. Just why this piece of paper with this thing on a man who just died that mm-hmm. says it's finished or finished or the end. Mm-hmm. A bit strange. Interestingly enough, uh, Glenelg, the, the sort of like the beach suburb mm-hmm. of Adelaide where this happened is the oldest European settlement on mainland South Australia. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, the oldest in general is, is, it's not the oldest in general, but the oldest for South Australia. A lot of history there. I don't think, I don't think that ties in. But, uh, anyhow. So who knows, man? Who knows, man? <laughs> so, yeah, so this, uh, this theme of the Rubiat that you should not, one should not have regrets and do live your life as though you will, uh, die tomorrow and this is your one chance, you know? Uh, no, Second lives, no continues, etc. This got police theorizing, profiling a little bit. And they said, well, this guy maybe committed suicide by poison. But that was their only evidence of it. You know, usually if somebody poisons themselves, you'll see writhing as the body spasms. Sure. And you can get toxicology reports. Even then, you can look through contents Mm -hmm. and find something. Right. You can get, um, you would see vomit and stuff. Mm -hmm. The actual death was ruled heart failure. However, the police also sent out, again, not the sting band, the law enforcement of Australia, 
Sorry, we did a thing on earworms earlier, and I have all these it's weird stuck. songs stuck in my head. Yeah. So this, uh, <laughs> but anyway, point being, the the uh, law enforcement had an Australia wide announcement where they said we're looking for this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The specific. Someone book. tore this out of this book. Mm-hmm. Do you have it? And they found it. Yes, they did find it in a well, very strange way. Allegedly, they found it, right? I mean, they found the book that had this thing torn out, torn out of it, and it appears to match. And it, yeah, yeah, and it appears to have some other clues that lead us further down the rabbit hole. The thing that is weird to me is apparently there was some guy who just said, "Oh yeah, I have it. I was parked nearby, and then someone threw it in my car." Yeah, someone gave me this book for free. I thought, cool. Don't tell me, uh, like, don't put me in the news or anything. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Yeah. Uh, so the thing is, this this book, when they found this book, it had handwriting showing pencil markings uh, in the back, right? And they were presumed to be a code of some sort. They were in pencil. Uh, you can see pictures of this everywhere, but it's pretty much it's it's pretty much these five lines are a series of letters that might be a cipher that might be um, just acronyms or shorthand. Perhaps. It's tough to know, right? Uh, so people have been, people have tried to figure this out ever since it came out. And you can hear people saying that they're closer to cracking the code. We will have some updates on that. Let's fast forward to January next year, 1949, just two months later. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. So two months later, uh, if, if we're thinking about where we are, I guess, on the beach, not far from there is the Adelaide... Uh, railway station. Mm-hmm. And at that station, a brown suitcase is discovered. It's, uh, it's just hanging out. They, it's one of those things like nowadays, if this was discovered, there would have been a bomb squad there. Sure. They would have probably blown the thing up mm-hmm. or at least sent in uh, some kind of team of police to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, let's see, I think, I don't think it had a label of any sort on it. No, the label had been removed, but they did know when it had been checked in. That's right. It was checked in on the 30th of November, 1948. So about a day before this guy is discovered dead, uh, people for various reasons believe the suitcase was owned by the man, the Somerton man. Uh, they found some weird stuff in there. So inside that suitcase, there were several things. There was uh, a dressing gown, some pajamas, a shaving kit, let's see, a screwdriver, some another pair of pants that had sand in them, apparently. Mm-hmm. Perhaps he was there longer. Perhaps, I don't know, maybe he was just liked hanging out on that beach a lot. Uh, some slippers, a pair of scissors that were sharpened, seemed maybe they were uh-huh. weaponized. Couple other things. Uh, what else? There was a, a brush, a stenciling brush, mm-hmm. and I think I don't know. There, there are a couple other things in there. Right. Well, that's the, the. This is where we get to a very interesting point in the story because of all the things that we named that were found on the man's body when he died. A receipt for the coat check was not one of them. Huh. And the way this stuff works is anyone with the receipt can grab something. So it's possible, if not likely, that someone else came in with the receipt and took things from the contents of the bag. I don't know. It's an interesting thing to think about, but the truth is it doesn't seem like the receipt was on his body. Yeah, maybe there's one very important thing in there that got taken. right. And uh, this, there are some updates we can give here, but uh, before we get straight into those, let's take it to... The present day, and then we'll go to a few years ago. There's okay. a guy named Professor Derek Abbott. He is uh, he is a active researcher, probably the mm, I would say without a doubt the most serious researcher of this case, at least in the public eye. Mm-hmm. Unless the spy thing turns out to be true, and the guy has a file on him somewhere in uh, MI6, or you know, somewhere in the CIA files or something, mm-hmm. but. But where would they have, where would they have gotten that? That's a different story. So with a huge thanks to the work of Professor Abbott, we'd also like to point out to listeners that if you want more information about this case, then just check his name and look into some of the stuff he's doing. He's still very active on here. So let's get to the updates. Or I guess we should say, here's where it gets crazy and recent. And recent, yes. Okay, in 2011, ah, wait, let me rewind a little bit. There was another thing found in that copy of the Rubyat, and that was an unlisted phone number. 
which police track down. Mm. So, and, and later Dr. Abbott does as well. But okay. So 2011, an Adelaide woman contacts, uh, uh, anthropologist, a biological anthropologist about an ID card that she found in her father's belongings. This card, uh, was the kind of card that the U.S. would give to foreign, uh, semen or S-E-A-M. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I don't think you were thinking that. I was correcting myself. Anyway, the name on it uh, is an H.C. Reynolds. Um, hmm. Yeah, and facial experts are looking at the photograph of the Somerton man, you know, uh, the late Somerton man, and then this photograph of this Hindenburg thing, and they're saying that due to some distinct features of the ears and the mouth, or the teeth rather, uh, that they can positively identify the guy. But there are some problems, right? We know uh, we know a lot of stuff about this ID card. Well, yeah, the most important thing is that Mr. H.C. Reynolds didn't seem to exist. <laughs> right, yeah, they've got the, uh, the date of issuance, February 1918, uh, the 28th, uh, to Mr. Reynolds. He's listed as an 18-year-old British man, but... Searching the U.S. National Archives. What else? The uh, the uh, some of the Australian archives and the War Memorial, I believe. Mm-hmm. And the U.K. National Archives turned up nothing but kids. Yeah. Who's zip, this dude? Zip, zero. Yeah. Who was this dude? Uh, well, obviously, H.C. Reynolds is either a name lost to time or a name manufactured rather than owned. So. The number that they find in the back of the book, it belongs to a nurse who lived or who used to be a nurse who lived in a place called Mosley Street. And that was about uh, 400 meters, maybe 1,300 feet. It was pretty much right next to where they found this body. And here's her story. She originally said that. She was working in Sydney during World War II. She had a copy of the Rubiat, and at the Clifton Gardens Hotel, she gave it to an Army lieutenant, Alf Boxel, uh, and, you know, they had been involved, you yes. know, perhaps. Um, Romantically. So because her phone number's listed in there, right, the authorities show her a plaster cast of the Somerton Man. And she says, no, no, I, I don't know him. I don't know who that is. But people who were there also say that she, and by people who were there, I mean like medical examiners, also say that she refused to look at the body afterwards or the cast. She had a palpable reaction, um, but she didn't want her name to be out there because she didn't want to be in the public eye. Well, and she had some personal some personal reasons maybe not to be associated with this guy. Absolutely. Uh, So the police said, okay, that's it. The dead man is Alfie Boxel. (laughs) Yeah, even though she said, no, it's not him. Right, right. All well and good, except for the fact that he wasn't dead. (laughs) And he shows up later. Uh, They gave – they and he shows up with his copy of the Rubiat. Yeah. So they gave – her in voiceover and stuff like that, they called her Justin based on uh, the signature following the verse that she had written in the front of the book. Um, 
this might have been like a a pet name, you know, yeah. that happens in relationships. Maybe Justine. Maybe they, I don't know, maybe they're styling on it a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a lot of t- truth is told in Justin or something. Mm. But uh, so this uh, this person has been interviewed. Um, and when she was interviewed in 2002, she just didn't want to talk about it. She said her family didn't know about the connection to the case because she was married. The people who interviewed her believe that she absolutely knows the identity of the Somerton man at this point. Also, um, apparently she said she was married, but she wasn't. Well, at least they couldn't find a record. They of her couldn't find a record at the time. Mm-hmm. They thought her real name, originally they thought her real name was important because it might be the decryption key oh, for yeah. what this guy wrote. And we'll see what Dr. Abbott has to say about that in a moment. Uh, first, let's go back further in time because there's another thing that's really weird that happens uh, years before the Somerton man. So, yeah, three years before this man dies in 1945. A 34-year-old guy uh, who hails from Singapore named Joseph Marshall was found in Sydney dead. Now, here's the thing, Ben. He had a copy of the Rubiat, just like uh, this, just like these other people who just happen to have copies of the Rubiat. Because this is, you know, uh, I guess a popular book. Right. Uh, his death's ruled to be a suicide by poisoning. But it's funny that you say that about the Rubiat because... We do have to ask if this is only coincidence. It's possible. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Rubiat was a very popular book at the time. Mm-hmm. Sales of it skyrocketed every Valentine's Day. And people are trying to hook up and they're saying, oh, look how sensitive I am here. Like, <laughs> here's a, hey, baby, here's a book that's all about how you know you should live life. That's you know right. What I mean, <laughs> let's get some coffee. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, and perhaps I'm being a little bit, um, no, I, I totally, I see that. I saw it in my head, Ben. But it is, it, but it is, you know, I'm saying it is possible. These are unrelated. Except when they held an inquest for this guy in 1945, a lady named Gwyneth Dorothy Graham testified and was found dead 13 days later, face down, naked, with her wrist slit. Ooh. So this means it does open up the possibility then that, uh, that maybe the Rubiat or a specific translation of it could be used as sort of a decoding thing for the spies. Totally. But, but the problem is that the Rubiat this guy had, the Rubiat Marshall had, is not the same edition. Ah, so, and you would generally need it to be the same edition so everything would match up. Right. One would assume, or at least like, maybe parts of it did match up. So this is where we find uh, several distinct possibilities. It's more or less proven that there was some sort of relationship between uh, this person known as Justin and this person known as the Somerton man. It is heavily implied that there could be a possibility of spying and shenanigans. Uh, so I, I guess the question I would ask is, before we go on any further, what, what do you think uh, – what do you think, Matt? Do you think this is a spy thing? It reeks of of behavior of, let's say, spying. But I, I would say maybe they're a part of a different secretive group that maybe isn't even officially a part of some government. 
Maybe mm-hmm. they are communicating. Maybe they're criminals. Maybe that's how they're communicating, and they were being super serious about it. Maybe somebody in their group had some background mm-hmm. with spycraft, and they're like, we're going to use this Ruby out. This is how we're going to communicate. The The thing of writing the codes in the back of the book seems a bit sloppy to me. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm trying to put myself in that position of this is, this is my book of codes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want anyone to know it's my book of codes. I'm going to write in the back of it some codes. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, uh, there's a great thing you can see on Reddit under the Unresolved Mysteries subreddit. Fantastic subreddit. Pretty good read. Uh, Professor Abbott is responding to people. This is an old thread, but earlier this year, he's responding to people about how he believes uh, this woman knew who the Somerton man was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she may have, I, I'm going to quote him here, she may have played a role in removing his identity after the fact. Hmm. So there's a motive, if not evidence, but uh, still, even in this case, and, and you know, I will say this, Dr. Abbott proceeds very, um, very judiciously. You know, mm-hmm. he's not jumping to any, any crazy um, conclusions just because they, they would be the cool thing. Yeah. But he did find the real name of the lady and the real name of Justin. Mm, what was it? J.E. Thompson. Hmm. And he, he did some crack investigative work to track this down. Uh, and at this point, you know, you can, you can find that information, but. But it all comes back to this, despite all of the excellent research that Professor Abbott has done, that uh, the original interviewers have done. The fact of the matter is that if she had uh, a child out of wedlock with the Somerton man, then maybe the maybe the guy was trying to visit his kid. Maybe something went south with uh reporting on UK aircraft. That's another theory that a private investigator has. Whatever happened, one of the best shots we have at getting some hard evidence about this guy's identity would be a DNA test to prove whether or not those descendants of the nurse are related to the Somerton man. And to do that, you know, we have to have a, we have to have the body. Yeah, and it, it exists. We know where it is. Right. It's in a cemetery called West Terrace Cemetery in Adelaide. Uh, I mean, it's been there since 1949. Here's the problem. Uh, we, 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 uh, the investigators can't get permission to, to take the corpse out, or at least they're refusing to do so. Right. And apparently it's a legal minefield to try mm-hmm. to navigate that. Uh, Professor Abbott did say, and this was earlier at the beginning of 2015, that he feels it's inevitable that at some point this, this disinterment will occur. And it's really to, I guess, fill in some missing pieces for the family. Sure. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. So if you want to get to the speculation here, that's that's what we know so far. That's like the real the real deal with a little bit of speculation. But uh, the there's that 60 minutes interview that I think we might have mentioned when Jessica Thompson or Jay Thompson, uh, her daughter was interviewed, a lady named Kate Thompson. She says she thinks her mom was a Soviet spy who may have had a hand in the murder of the Somerton man. So maybe it was. A spy situation gone wrong and she had to dose him. Wow. It wasn't, isn't there speculation that there was a flower used possibly in his death as poisoning? I haven't heard that one. I think, I mean, look, that's just me rolling around in places that maybe aren't so reputable on the internet. Okay. But I, I think there was, a, there was a theory and I apologize. I don't have my computer on me. A theory that there was a flower used that is native to that area. And it's harder to trace, I guess, but it's, it's highly toxic. I don't think it's as toxic 
Wow, now I'm just speaking from uh, the depths, Ben. But uh, yeah. I'm interested. <laughs> but look it up. Check it. Check it out on. Uh, just search for it. I think. I think on the wiki even there's a there's a tiny little entry in a uh, picture of the plant. Oh, okay, about the idea that there could be a flower used there. Uh, the the concept too of Russian spies is we we know that there have been real deep cover spies. There are people with multiple names and no real name in the world and have been for decades at the very least. But this does, but they're probably much more rare mm-hmm. than, than we believe, or they're much better at not getting caught. Yeah. Uh, we, we also have one of those, um, one of those reports. I think we mentioned micro writing, the idea that mm-hmm. much smaller things could be written inside the loops of stuff. Uh, we mentioned that in the video. It comes from a former detective in the UK named Gordon Kramer. And he says parts of this code match with Morse code letters found in World War II radio operator stuff. Uh, from that, and you can read his, you can read his reports on this, but from this, he believes that there may have been a conversation about a post-war, um, post-war UK, uh, aircraft called the Venom X4621. And if you look at the Venom, Four X four six two one. We don't find too much except for the reports about this guy who believes he's discovered it. Oh, okay. But uh, you you know there is a uh, there is a jet air- aircraft called the Venom, the De Havilland DH one one twelve Venom. It's a. Uh, it was sort of the. The stopgap between British British uh, jet fighters from the first generation uh, to the the later ones like the Hawker Hunter or the Sea Vixen, and it saw service in New Zealand, so it's quite possible, right, mm-hmm. that they were there. Uh, the the stuff that they were working on, you know, the the timing kind of jibes up too. Like uh, it was. Introduced in 1952, but first flight 1949, which means okay. they were working on it before then. So it's possible if it's a spy thing. Another weird thing, apparently this guy has ballet feet. I kid you not. Like kind of crunched a little. Yeah, like he had these weird wedge, wedge shapes to his feet yeah. and he had really pronounced calf muscles. So what if he is uh, a ballet dancer, an illegitimate child and came back to try to talk to the kid? Had a existing medical condition that resulted in a heart failure. And what if this lady just gave copies of the Rubia to people multiple times? Have you ever given uh, out multiple copies of a book? I have. Yeah, maybe it's her calling card. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe the cigarette that he was smoking, like mm-hmm. halfway through smoking, right. was yeah. laced with something. Maybe, yeah. Uh, but that's that's kind of tough because so many people smoked and swapped smokes back then. If you laced a cigarette, you'd have to be really close, like say in a romantic relationship with them. Well, you also have to be careful not to pollute the other cigarettes. There would almost certainly be other people dying. Well, yeah, but if you have one pack of cigarettes, and you just do the whole pack, I guess, or maybe do one in his pack. Yeah, that is true. You never know if he gives a cigarette out. Which one's the lucky one? Well, too bad. Missed him that time. <laughs> I don't know. You know, that's a, that's a good point, Matt. It could be, but, um, the, the 
most exciting part of this is that if the professor is right, and I see no reason that he wouldn't be, uh, the exhumation of this body will will put us, uh, as Chevy Chase's character in Community would have said, streets ahead in the investigation and maybe even the unraveling of this of this person's identity, mm-hmm. which is something, you know, which is something that any surviving relatives probably deserve to know. Uh, I, I will say that Professor Abbott is continuing now. He had a petition for people to sign, uh, petitioning the government of Australia to allow for uh, – for the DNA testing or, or getting this body out of the cemetery. Nice. And I believe that he is the forefront of that pursuit. He's the one seriously pursuing it. So uh, best of luck to you, Professor, and to you listeners, if you would like to learn more about this case, then uh, just check this guy out. He's got a lot of stuff there. There's a, There are also a couple of uh, of good books you can read regarding this. Oh, yeah. Say his name one last time, Ben. His name is Dr. Derek. Abbott. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, and uh, one last note. If we could have a sound cue from uh, our super producer here, we're going to take care of just a little bit of housekeeping, I guess, as Chuck would call it. Right. Yes. So we have a clarification that we would like to make in our earlier episode on Washington, D.C. We got a lot of great feedback and a lot of very polite feedback, uh, especially from the Masons. In yes, our crowd. several Mason listeners. So what we need to clarify here is that the House of the Temple is only the headquarters of the Scottish Rite organization, not masonry entire. And I, w- I was very happy to receive this feedback from our listeners who were masons, and you and I had talked to Matt off the air. We'd love to do a full audio podcast on masonry uh, just entirely in the future because it seems like, especially because we had some great letters, you know, yeah, I have to say the the letters we got were extremely polite, and I am happy to receive letters from those guys at any time about any subject. Sure, yeah, and uh, doing a, an episode on masonry, just masonry entire in the future, uh, it would be something that we're super interested in. So, if you whether you are a mason or not, uh, please feel free. As, as we're working on doing this, we don't know exactly when we'll get to it, but please feel free to write to us and let us know, uh, some stuff you'd like to see covered. You know, no, no idea is too crazy, but, uh, we will look at them honestly and say if we find any evidence or proof, right? Yeah. Uh, so with, uh, that being said, uh, there is, there is one other announcement. Oh, but we can't make it with just the two of us. Oh, no. We we have to call to Noel. So let's do our Noel call together. You ready? Mm-hmm. Let's do it together. Okay. Hey, no. That was really unsettling. <laughs> <laughs> it works, though. It works every time. Yeah, hey, he heard us. It definitely shook me out of my stupor. <laughs> it's like, it, you know, it's it's like the reason they use automated voices on trains and planes. No one listens to a regular voice say, step away from the door. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, let's start the way we start all, all the time. Uh, okay. How how you doing, Noel? I'm okay, man. I'm, I'm doing quite well. Just 
busy as always. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. We just got back from D.C. I know. Yeah. I'm feeling a little suntanned. I mean, burned. <laughs> Was it was it was it sunny? It was like beach beach weather. Oh, let me tell you about it. It, it was, was like swampy. It was malaric. Oh, nice. How are, nice. you know, I don't mean to sound disrespectful to the founding fathers or the generation before us, but <laughs> surely, surely there was a better place. Of course, we know that D.C. is not the first uh, seat of the U.S. Capitol, but come on, man, it's a swamp. It's malaric. Yeah, like, it, it was crazy. It's no wonder the yellow fever was a problem. You you used an analogy of the heat was like a a giant invisible rubber blanket that just hit you and just yeah. sticks to you and stays on you oh, until yeah. you give up. I still haven't washed all of it <laughs> off. Honestly. That is a very layered metaphor. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, have you heard of this case before? I had not. It, it reminded me. Have you seen that movie? I think it's called The Snowtown Murders. Also in Adelaide. Yeah. That, at first I thought maybe that's what it was, but I don't think it, it's not the same. But there's some very interesting by? movie. Yeah, there's some other stuff uh, that went down in that area, too. I think there's a place called The Family. The Snowtown Murders were these uh, these ser- this series of murders with multiple people committing them. And they were putting bodies in barrels, right? right? Yeah. Oh, it's very, very upsetting, yes. Very upsetting film. Worth watching. It's good. Whew. Yeah. And Is it a documentary? No. Well, no, there, yeah. there was a documentary, but then there's also a, like a narrative, like a feature that yeah. I think was based on the documentary, unless I'm totally making that up. Like but, based on a true story yeah. kind of stuff. Yikes. Yeah. And there was, uh, there, there were some other things there as well, but I, I'm excited to hear this is something that listeners have written into us about before. And it sounds like, it's closer now than ever before to, I guess, being solved or making headway. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's also one of those stories that maybe doesn't matter that much to like the, the general public. However, it's one of those things that once you know about it and you know that it's still unsolved, mm-hmm. it just, I mean, the sleuth in you just oh, comes, comes alive. Right. You just gotta know. Like I still, I want to meet the Toynbee tile guy so bad yeah. or the people doing it. Um, and I guess, you know, there's that old question is the, is the easiest way to meet a group like that to start doing it on your own and get in Ooh, trouble? Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. Then I somebody mean, finds I'm, you in Somerton. I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna go take a permanent beach, beach vacation at all. <laughs> but, um, all right. So this announcement is, uh, is a personal thing and you guys let me know if I'm off base for saying it. But we're in pretty jolly spirits here in the studio because a fun piece of trivia, uh, Matt, Noel, and I all have birthdays in a very short span yes, of time. Yes, true. I only realized yours, Matt, because Facebook told me. Did it really? I it thought did. I disabled. Man. It told me, man. You can't trust Zuckerberg, man. Uh, so you put a fake one up. in. Yeah, I do need to put a fake so, one in. So you know who your real <laughs> friends are. Not That's that, a good idea. Not that it's a little paranoid, maybe. But, uh, but yeah, so... Uh, oh, Whoa. So yours is today, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Well, okay. That, that's just funny. I think that's 5, 8, 11. Ooh. What? I don't get Aren't you 11? Aren't you 11? Yes. Threes? Yeah. You're yeah. saying it's threes. Oh. It's threes, man. It's just, that's and not there's three three threes? Whoa. Oh, nine. Just, number nine. Number nine. Let me get, let me get, uh, my whiteboard. <laughs> 
Well, the crazy thing that people in our office, especially in the video department, we all have birthday, not all of us, I think Most. 80, no, uh, the majority of the people in this room, I'm sorry, Math and I are not the best of friends, mm-hmm. but uh, the majority of people in this area where the video department works have mm-hmm. birthdays between July, late July and late August. Yeah. Summer of love, man. Telling you. Yeah. <laughs> all, all of them. <laughs> what, what our parents are doing. Yeah. Uh, but that's, it's, uh, I don't read too much into it, but I, I do think it's neat. Um, I don't know if, are you guys planning like a group party thing? Are we going to go to like Dave and Buster's or? Please? Can we, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> I went for the first time recently with my daughter, and uh, it was pretty fun. Yeah? In the bathroom, the urinals let you play a little game with your pee stream. <laughs> That's a fact. You went to the one here? Yeah. yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, so like you pee in the, the standing urinal or whatever, and there's like a little screen at the top that lets you guide ducks or, or, or shoot ducks or something with your pee. <laughs> It's, Wait. There's a sensor in the in the, wow. in the toilet, and it it controls what happens on the screen. Somebody very, designed that. It's very strange. Oh wow! Yeah. Somebody. Not that that's that. like the, my primary takeaway from Dave and Buster. Is there a game for number two, like bombs you're dropping? Oh, I don't know. That's inappropriate. We're a family show. <laughs> Cross the line there. <laughs> I like how we made you the one who crossed the line. I'm Darn sorry. It. That's unfair, man. Uh, but so we're going to we're going to head out. We have some. Um, we have some things in the works. We have some plans uh, that do not involve making video games for urinals, but are still kind of cool. And uh, let's see, what what else, Matt? Do we have any teasers, any spoilers? I do want to just announce that if you are not already looking for us on Periscope mm-hmm. or via our Twitter account, just checking us out every once in a while, we're going to start doing that quite frequently, mm-hmm. and you might see Super Producer Noel. You might see some friends from How Stuff Works on that feed. You really never know what you're going to see. You're going to see some weird stuff. There's going to be weird things. Scully's going to get involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we like to hang out in that infinite darkness. Sometimes <laughs> things just come out to play with us. Right, yeah, the abyss stares back at you, right? Mm-hmm. Or stares into you, however it goes. Definitely is quite acquainted with us. Yeah, thank you for bringing up the Periscope thing. We're definitely going to do that. We're also going to continue this series on unsolved crimes for a little while. Uh, we won't we won't force it, but we've got some more stuff we'd like to look into, and that means, even more importantly, that we would like to hear from you. What are some of your favorite obscure, unsolved, bizarre crimes? They don't have to be murders. Uh, they don't have to be super well-known. It could be something in your neck of the woods. We'd like yeah. to check it out. So, uh, find us on- and that's the end of this classic episode. If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode... You can get into contact with us in a number of different ways. One of the best is to give us a call. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. If you don't want to do that, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 